Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast. I am Stanford Chidge. Chelsea Fancast is a slightly different guys. It's uh, our kind of occasional show that we do when we get so many emails from you lovely people that we can't squeeze them into the regular Monday night fancast. So there we go. So we've devised a special show called In Off The Post, where JK and my good self uh, will go through the week's correspondence. Mr. Kidd, how are, how the devil are you? Oh, devilish, devilish. And we just have the just the 10 to, to read out. Yeah. Just I, I might have a couple that slipped in through the oh, net from Patreon and uh, Discord. Yeah, no, well, I don't, no, I didn't get any from Dane at Dane today. So oh, okay, yeah. okay. So there we go. So should we should we start the ball rolling with the lovely Josh to. Barrow? This is from Josh Barrow, uh, dear Chidge, JK, and the gang. Well, it's just me and Chidge actually, but I can pretend to be the gang if you like. Hello, yeah, I've got somebody here with me. Yeah, um, uh, uh, that was a bit rubbish, wasn't it, Chidge? Anyway, yeah, uh, I've loved the game of football since I was introduced to it as a child. I've been a Chelsea fan since two thousand and nine. When I watched the Blues robbed by uh, Overbo, Overbo, well, I can't remember his name. Overbo, no one at Overbo. Norwegian geezer. Yeah, I know the 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 dreadful. I was present, of course, and poor old Drogba got suspended for eight games for telling the truth. But I'm an American who's no, Overbo, isn't it? Overbo. Overbo. Right? Yeah. Yeah, not Overbo. Uh, but I'm an American who's never set foot inside Stamford Bridge. A plastic. No, mate, you're not a plastic. No, no, you know no, nothing no, about no. football. As such, I'm having a bit of difficulty understanding what it is we're actually trying to do under Tuchel. Oh, forgive him. He's hardly been there. I've been thinking about our goals since Tuchel has arrived. There are none. Versus Burnley. But wouldn't it be great if that's what you did as a manager? No, we don't score. We just defend. Versus Burnley, both Dave and Alonso scored on the counter. Against Spurs, Jorginho scored a penalty. There was one on a counter-attack. Against Sheffield United, Mount scored after we successfully beat a high press. And Jorginho scored another penalty, which was won via counter-attack. Versus Barnsley, Tammy scored after we beat a high press. Against Newcastle, Giroud scored from a ball to Werner over the top of a high press. And Werner scored from a corner kick. And against Southampton, Mount scored a penalty. In the seven games since Tuchel has taken over, we've scored nine goals. And three of them, a full third of our goals, have been penalties two of which were won on the counter-attack. Of our remaining six goals, two were from counter-attacks. Three were from breaking against a high press, which is fairly similar to a counter-attack. One was from a set piece. When I look at the team sheets, I don't see much in the way of attacking ambition. We're set up with three centre-backs, two defensive-minded midfielders who offer nothing going forward, a pair of wing-backs and only three out-and-out attacking players. It seems like a lineup built to soak up pressure and counter-attack. And the way we've scored our goals is reflective of that. However, we're playing as a side who wants to play a possession-based game. Since Tuchel has arrived, we've averaged 70% possession. And with all of that possession, we never look threatening. Granted, I have a bit of an uneducated eye, but very similar eye to us. But we look like a team that has no idea of what it is or what it's trying to do. It's as though we've taken a Mourinho approach to the lineup and tactics while making a pitiful attempt at playing like a Guardiola side. My impression of Tuchel from the press conferences is quite positive, but I'm having trouble seeing how this is an upgrade from Frank or even Sarri. Please help me understand. Best regards, Joshua Barrow. Well, can I can I just uh, restate what I said in the show um, uh, and the Monday show, which is uh, that um, it's very early days. Uh, he's just trying to get the defence organised. And I think we should be forgiving that he has succeeded in getting the defence organised. And I don't think um, we have the players 
probably hasn't managed to make them into the players that uh, that can put the ball in the net. But yes, as we've already established, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's not only that we've got defensive midfielders, it's that none of them can shoot. Um, but he's not being helped by having uh, shot-shy wingers and players completely out of form for whatever reason, particularly those we've purchased um, at enormous expense. So I don't think we should be damning Tuchel after such a short space of time. And we should be thankful that we're not losing. And I think that's a positive, as I said at the beginning of the Monday show. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, I too, I too, JK, can reiterate a lot of the things I said on Monday night. Um, but from a slightly different angle, I, I think I think one has to be kind to Tuchel because he's only had nine matches, and I think, as we were saying on Monday night, I think he's the arch pragmatist, and he needs to keep his job. He needs to keep keep getting results, and he needs to get Chelsea in the top four. And, and he's shrewd and smart enough and experienced enough as a manager to know how to do that. And of course, the problem that he has is he's inherited, you know. A mess. Uh, now, not a mess caused by Frank Lampard, but a mess caused by this club sacking managers and buying players to suit certain managers over the last seven years. So it's really interesting what Josh has picked out there. You know, we're, we're, we're playing kind of half possession football, half counter-attacking football. Uh, well, that's really a function of the different kind of players we've got who suit different kind of systems. I mean, you you could say... You know, we've. I mean, for example, we know Alonso can only play as a wing back. We know that most of our central defenders can only play in a three. Um, on the other hand, you could say, well, we we could try and play like Liverpool with uh, Firmino, Sane, and um, and Salah because we've got Werner, uh, Pulisic, and um, Hudson Odoi, really quick players, small players who can all interchange and all all of whom got an eye for goal technically. But we don't do that. You know, we've got wingers. I mean, it's just, it's a mess. Systemically, it's a mess. So no wonder we don't look fluid. No wonder we don't know what style we're trying to play. No wonder even if Tuchel's telling them to play one way, we find out that they're playing another way because they're playing how they know how to play and that might not fit in with the system we want. So it's a bit of a mess. And I think he's dealing with what he's got. So he's trying to get the best out of, a, of of the mess that he's got. And I, and I think, as a lot of the boys were saying on Monday night, actually, quite sensibly, really, that we won't really get, I don't think, a proper view of what a Tuchel system and a Tuchel team really looks like uh, until next season when he's had a chance to assess and try and get rid of some people that aren't going to fit the way he wants to play and bring in people who will fit the way he wants to play, which is what all all managers do. So... And also, I think that, that he wants to try and drill them, as he said in um, uh, in, in various um, interviews, that it, it's all about uh, um, learning how to play the way he wants them to play. And some of them, I think, are possibly psychologically impaired by having to play a way that didn't suit, well, didn't suit them. I've, I've got a, a real cob on about the automaton nature of modern footballers and 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 this is one of the reasons I didn't like Sarriism I don't like managers who basically robotically instill a plethora of instructions into players because I think all that does it just overcoaches players and you end up with players who who can't think for themselves on the pitch can't respond to what's happening in front of them can't respond to a different tactical setup that they were not told to face 
And I think we, we this is not just a Chelsea problem. I think this has become universal in football, but it is definitely a Chelsea problem. Because we, we, when we certainly used to go, we, you could see the look of bewilderment on players' faces when they just they look at the bench because they don't know what to do. Now, when Jonathan and I were growing up, players were you know could think for themselves. Brian Clough's ta- uh, tactical talk at Nottingham Forest was, if God had wanted you to play football in the sky, he would have put would have put grass on the clouds, you know, or get the ball and give it to the fat bloke on the left. <laughs> that that's it you know because he basically bought really good players that he knew could play football and think for themselves and just let them go out and play you know now okay i know things have changed a lot but liverpool were the same you know liverpool liverpool's coaching was non-existent you talk to some of these even even of the graham sooner well graham sooner's era was arguably than they're at their peak but you talk to some of their old players and he said they didn't do systems and tactics they just bought fucking good players who knew how to play football Let's go out and play you know, and in a way, you could say that elite footballers should know how to play football. That's why they're elite footballers. I suppose, though, that um, there are modern tacticians who prevent that kind of flair player from playing with their tactics. Yeah, That's but if you're a good footballer, argument, you should be able to deal with it on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. because you, yeah. your manager can't. He can't come on and kick yeah, the yeah. ball for you. Yeah. He can only change it really by making a, a, a tactical substitution and bring on some instructions or at half time. You know, and I, I think, I mean, you know, this is the whole kind of argument about about leaders. I heard a very interesting um, interview by Sam Allardyce just before he got the West Brom, just after he got the West Brom job, actually, where he felt his generation of managers were partly to blame for this, that they've overcoached players so much that this is why you don't have leaders in the game anymore, because they've learned how to not think for themselves and not get themselves out of the shit. So you've muted the personality to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. It's not my way of management. I, I mean, this is. I mean, it's, I, I spent twenty five years in the film business managing, not like that. I used to hire very good people, give them the parameters in which I wanted them to work, and let them get on with it. Yes, much yes. like I do with the fan cast, J.K. I was about to say much like you do with me on this program. Well, I hire. I mean, I don't hire any of you. We do it because we love doing it, but. You know, it's not an accident who I've got on this show. Everybody's fucking superb. I could walk away from this show every week and it'd still be fantastic because you're all brilliant. Except we wouldn't be running it because we don't know about Mixler or how to do it. I know, and that's that's my fatal flaw, my tragic flaw. <laughs> I end up having to do all the work, but yeah. it's a pleasure because you're all great at what you do. You know, that that's the, the you know, get good people together and you produce good work. Things really are that simple. Yes. Well, he thought he'd got good people in Werner and Zayek. uh, So maybe it's not that simple. (laughs) (laughs) I'll stick to doing podcasting then. How about that? Anyway, good email, Josh, but you're not untutored. You're seeing exactly what we're seeing and unfortunately not seeing the solution equally like we're not. I think possibly expressed even more fluently than we did. I I definitely agree with that. Right. Uh, This is from the lovely Bob Smales. I'm going to have a sip of my Guinness for this one. I've drunk my tea, so I can't have it. I've only got <laughs> if there's a long email, I'll, I'll, I'll warn you, and then you can nip out and make one. Right, Bob Smales. As we now start the inevitable discussion on whether Tommy T is the Messiah or just a naughty boy, surely we need to revisit the strategy of the club and its owner. We're told that each manager gets around 18 months to win something purposeful or be prepared for the inevitable. 
clearly a short-term strategy. So why is it we don't buy players who are proven quality, who can make an immediate impact? Surely this season the cash would have been better used on an absolute proven striker, a true number nine, not a Timo, and a world-class centre-half. Both could have been obtained with the cash we spent, but instead we buy young players like Havertz and Timo uh, and players who have not yet achieved much at the top level like Ziyech but may deliver in the future. I'm not saying that this is wrong, but it does not fit the strategy of of the club, so it does not make any sense. You can only assume everyone understands the strategy, but this is Chelsea. As I write, it's pretty much last year's team with Timo and Mendy. Timo is, as no doubt you discussed tonight, still a work in progress, so not a massive improvement and certainly unlikely this season to get us higher than Frank's fourth. If you were ruthless, you could say that money was not well spent. Sadly, if we don't achieve instant success, we get a new manager who will have his own idea on system and players. In the last few seasons, we've seen both Zuma and Alonso come back into the fold. Players like Chile sitting on the bench. Players are bought and dumped because each manager has his own clear agenda. You just can't run a club and expect success if you keep changing managers and all the mayhem that follows. We had an opportunity to reset with Frank and the kids, but blew it. The club won plaudits for this, and the fans were, I think, mostly on board. People always talk about how it works for the club as we keep winning trophies, but how many more would we have won with stability? Maybe uh, maybe it's easier to feel perplexed when you're not going every week to support. Up the Blues, Robert Smales. Yeah, Bob, I think you make some, some really good points, points that I've certainly made myself many, many, many times on this show and, and in print, and... and you know, I know that one of the comments that often gets fired back is, oh, yeah, but sacking managers works at Chelsea. We're always winning stuff. But I think I think that that's not forensic enough. Um, we spent a lot of time last week talking about the fact that Chelsea had not made it past the knockout round of the Champions League since 2014. That is not the kind of success that we bought into when Roman brought, bought the club. Um, we haven't signed any... Uh, I mean, Diogo Costa was arguably, um, you know, buying a player at the peak of his powers, as in not a promising 22-year-old who might be one of the world's best in five years' time. I'd say possibly Costa was the last time he bought a player like that, whereas we were buying four or five of them in one season when when Jose, uh, when uh, Roman first came in. So I, I agree with you. I think that you, you should be saying, you know, I know what a perfectionist JK is, and he'll be proud of me for saying this, I'm sure. But you should be saying, how much more could we have won had we been more stable as a club? You know, we probably could have won more Champions League. So I think he makes some very, very valid points there. I really, really do. But, but you have to argue whether, in fact, Frank was the stability. Um, no, I don't think he was. I think Frank was always going to be the stopgap, and we've yeah. we've gone into that in in granular detail. Um, I think the other thing, and what I would say in mitigation, Bob, is that I mean I don't know this for an absolute fact, but I know enough people close enough to the club to believe it. But I don't think they really they don't actually set out to fire managers deliberately after eighteen months. I think they wanted Conte to stay longer than he did. They wanted Sarri to stay longer than he did. They wanted Mourinho to stay longer than he did, you know, but things tend to happen, which means that they feel they just can't really keep them. So they don't, they don't actually deliberately go out to be batshit insane and instable. They, 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 they're they quite the opposite, but it doesn't work out like that. Uh, this is a, a fascinating email from a young, a young chap, I feel, JK. 
Should I do it in my best young No, don't do or... that. Don't do that. It'd be, okay. a, it'd be belittling. It would be belittling. I wasn't really going to do it like that. I just thought I'd give you an option. Um, hello, Chidge, and the finest London gang members. Right, well, uh, no, I better not do that impression either. Um, I've been thinking about writing to you boys, or should I say grandpas. I'm so sorry. Did, what, what, what did he grandpas? write Grandpas? Grandpas. So, so um, yes, okay. Uh, I have a 12-year-old daughter. I'm not a grandpa. Anyway, um, I'll start again. Uh, I've been thinking about writing you boys, or should I say grandpas. Been a Chelsea fan for 20 years, came to London twice to watch Chelsea play. I love this club more than anything, and how Chelsea plays d does determine my weekend mood. I've sometimes complained about Chelsea, but I only give two of them today. The show after Lampard got sacked, one of the panel came on and used offensive words against Mr. Roman A, which I think is unfair because that man only wants Chelsea to succeed. We need, and that's Roman, not the, the, uh, the offensive man. We need to separate Lampard the player from the Lampard the manager. If Lampard was any other coach, I'm sure we're going to say he had the sacking coming and he did a lot of bad stuff. He wasn't perfect as a manager, made a lot of errors. So don't make the board seem like the villain. They're not perfect. But I choose to remember Super Frank only as a player, but not manager, because he wasn't good enough as a manager. I will love him till death. Number two. Second, why do people think 3-4-3 is a defensive formation? We're always attacking with seven players, front three, two wingbacks, one of the two midfielders and Dave. Is that not enough? Against Southampton, I believed our setup was good, but the players just refused to be decent. I can count five good plays that needed a final pass for a goal, but the players fucked it up. Kante had two, Kovacic two, Werner one, and, and Rhys James one. What do you want a coach to do when the players' decision-making is awful? If those players can't make final passes, what can the coach do about that? We praise Kante for winning the ball back, but he can't do anything meaningful after winning the ball back. Kovacic dribbles past 100 players, but can't do anything meaningful with the final pass. Can we all agree that we have a lot of players that aren't good enough, including Kante, one-way player, win the ball back, cannot make a sweet pass to save his life? How much do I miss fantastic Fab Four? I hope to share a drink with you boys in the future, talking about how my dad wanted me to support Liverpool <laughs> because of Michael Owen. Chelsea forever. Thanks, Mr. Williams. No, I was a bit taken aback being called a grandpa. That was all at the front. Um, um, We're probably old enough to be his grandpa. I know, I am completely old. That's what I slightly was ashamed of, of course, because I am indeed old enough. Even I'm old enough, really, to yeah, be his even, grandpa. Yeah, probably. I think probably all of us on here are indeed old enough to be his grandpa. Indeed, indeed. Um, other than possibly um, uh, Dean. Dean um, Yeah. But, yeah. Um, um, uh, 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 who was it who came on and was uh, was uh, rude about Roman? Um, I, I think that's just not true, actually. No, I don't think we've ever... I think a lot of people are just fucking sensitive about... I mean, look, this is not fucking China or North Korea or Russia, OK? Nobody's perfect. If we think Roman's made a stupid decision, we're going to say so, but it doesn't mean we're ungrateful. On the other hand, we're not in fealty to him, you know? We don't have yeah, to yeah. suck up to everything he does. This is my this is my club as much as it is Roman Abramovich's. Just because he spunked over a billion quid into it doesn't negate that fact. So if I think he's you know he's not above criticism, but I don't remember anybody being rude about him on no, the I show. Think, I don't think anybody ever has it. We, I think we've been critical of the board. Obviously, that's been something. well. The board in, technically the is board Roman. It is him, but at the same time, I don't think we've ever said Roman. Um, uh, I think this is a very good point he makes about um, three four three because it's it's absolutely right. It's 
they are attacking in that setup because they've got the wing backs to do the attacking. The dilemma is, as he says, they keep making, uh, as as Tuchel says, uh, imprecise decisions. The lack of precision in the final third of the field is absolutely ghastly. It's for woeful. What he's trying to achieve. Woeful. Absolutely yeah. woeful. And he's right. But I don't think he's right to say, um, uh, I think, because I think Kante's improved after winning the ball back. And similarly, uh, Kovacic, he can dribble past 100 players. And I think he's passing, I think he's getting better with it. But, but uh, I, I, I think it's actually more more phys- more to do with, um, as you say, um, uh, Mr. Williams, um, uh, it could be Miss Williams. Um, uh, what do you want a coach to do when the player's decision-making is awful? The decision-making has been absolutely awful. I agree completely. Well, I, I think the point that he makes is really good about missing Fabregas. And, and I think this is a very not-talked-about issue by us in particular, actually. Because we we should remember absolutely remember okay and we, when it, when he, when he was sold he was you know his legs are gone there's no doubt about that but the person who came in to replace Fabregas was Jorginho yeah no comparison Jorginho is not fit to lick the piss of Fabregas's boots in terms of scoring goals linking the defence and the attack or the midfield and the attack and putting in defence splitting passes like Fabregas who frankly is one of the best players I've ever seen at this club in that position. And I used to make the point in a rather rude way. I said if we wanted to you know why would we want why would we want to replace a player who can't run and run and and track back and tackle with a player who can't run track back and tackle but can't actually do the things that Fabregas did well, which is Jorginho. This is why I've never really warmed to Jorginho. Because I understood entirely that he was essentially the replacement for Fabregas, and Fabregas going forward is a much was a much much better player. But his legs are gone, and he couldn't defend, and we were getting exposed left, right, and centre. And I do get that, but it goes back to what I was saying about Mount on the Monday Night Show that we we just lack a midfielder who can link it all together, you know, and and that's why I think Mount would work there, especially with Havertz, you know, much higher up the pitch, you know, in this kind of nine and a half role that. Tuchel's talking about um, but I think the other point which again we discussed at length really was the fact that we have a real hodgepodge of attacking players we've got a mixture of wingers inside forwards you know strikers who can play a certain style but you know not on I mean Drogba for I know is a terrible barometer to, to use because he was such a phenomenal world-class player but you know there were many facets to Drogba's attacking play I mean he was good in the air he could he could shoot from long range he could score tap-ins he could score world-class worldies he could they could go in off his ass he could create goals he could play on the on, on the wings as well as straight through he could link play he could play with his back to, I mean he was such a, a wonderful all-round striker it just makes you realize what a what a beautiful player he was for us because they're really rare. It seems to me that strikers these days don't have that all-around ability. They're they're like either they're a good hold-up striker or they're a nippy inside forward type striker. You know, you don't seem to get these. I mean, Lewandowski's the only one I can think of who's a bit like Drogba in that sense. He can play between the lines. He can play up front on his own. He can play with his back to goal, score from close in and long. You know, 
I think that basically we just have a dearth of, of, of these players. And perhaps it's because of all these fucking hipster managers who want to play with small blokes and false number nines. I rest my case, my lud. I think that's very well expressed. Jim. Thank you very much, Jonathan. So sweet of you to say so. Good. Uh, it's you, Jim. Is it me? Yeah. Andrew Davies. It is indeed. Uh, hi, JK, Chidge, and the rest of you. Lovely, lovely lot. Uh, just a quick email, if you'll allow me, uh, for me to stroke Jonathan's ego. <coughs> Ooh, misses. Uh, he completely nailed it a few weeks back when he said that the reason for this tippy-tappy football dressage is because we don't have any midfielders that can actually have a pop on goal. Uh, the, going back to that theme again. The primary focus of Kova, Jorginho and Kante is to find a man. Now, there isn't anything necessarily wrong with that. It's just that if no ball is on, their only alternative in their eyes is to pass it sideways or back five yards to the person who they received it from. Kovacic can't shoot for Toffee and is the new Mikel or Makaleli. The vast majority of Georgie's goals are from 12 yards and it's always a surprise when Kante... Excuse me, when Kante pops up with a goal. Invariably, this inability to try and test the keeper puts so much more pressure on the forwards, or when we're pressuring teams, you'll find Christensen, as he did on Tuesday night, or Rudiger try and lump one in from 35 yards out where it goes high and wide. I guess it's unfair to hark back to days gone by, but we've always had players in the middle of the park who can put the ball in the back of the net. Obviously, Lampard is a prime example, but through recent years, we've had Fabregas, Matic, Balak, Essien, Ramirez, all able to be relied upon to chip in with a few goals. I think it's the one clear area that Mason needs to improve upon, and once he settles, maybe Havertz will be one to help out too. But JK perfectly made the point of why, despite the lion's share of possession, we just seem to play safe, unintrusive balls in the middle of the park. Hopefully Tommy T will be able to work on this as he gets to know the players and delivers that attacking football he has promised us. That said, what a brilliant win on Tuesday night. We've got a real chance to progress in the Champions League for the first time in a long time. And just how much do you love that beautiful man, Olivier Giroud? Here's the second leg. Keep the blue flag flying high and up the Charles. Cheers, Andrew. I mean, points we've made many many times and i think jk just picking up on that and, and rather than you know going over old ground you know i'm really very conscious of the fact that tuchel made a big thing about i like to play the attacking fluid football it has to be all gung-ho and attacking and i like you know and i believe him i think that's genuine but i think what he has to do is he's got to figure out i mean you know i don't want him to get like locked into just one way of playing because i think modern managers are required to have plans a b c d and e but, you know, either are we going to be a counter-pressing team? So we're going to rely on the pace of our very quick forward line. Are we going to be a, a possession-based football team that tries to play between the lines and put people through? In which case, you know, I think that's great playing like Guardiola does. But I like to see that kind of football played when you've got a striker like Aguero who is just deadly. You know, if his movement's good enough and he can play in that kind of a system where they're, they're tippy-tappy, tippy-tappy, tip, boom, in. Great, no problem with that. But it's like, pick one. Pick a system. Pick a way of playing. I think somebody who can score repeatedly like that, uh, is, it changes the com complexion of the game so frequently that um, uh, the opposition will be able to come on to you in a way that they weren't before. So perhaps that's what he's used to playing, is that he has somebody who can 
put the ball in the net with the amount of possession we've got and with the tightness of the defence. It just is that, as, as um, and I've said, and Andrew has very nicely uh, um, uh, supported me here, that um, we haven't got anybody like that. And as you're saying, Chidge, that we haven't got an Aguero style who would will indeed put the ball in the net with a with a beautiful cross. I mean, it's the same thing, a beautiful cent, uh, shot, I should say. It's the same thing with, with Adore, who I keep going on about. I, we just need to see more of his shooting boots. And we need to, because he has got the skill and he's got the pace to... It's good effort against United, actually, which we overlooked. Yeah, yeah, it went wide, absolutely. Yeah. Very. That was a great move. You see, suddenly yeah, in the good, midst yeah. of all this, we see great moves. It was a great move against Southampton the other day that Alonso blasted wide. Suddenly they've got these these little moments in them and you just go, yeah, that's the way he wants to play. But then it's almost as if they, they tense up a bit, particularly up front. But yeah, there it, we should be... Um, we should, as uh, as um, uh, our previous email from uh, uh, A. Williams said, um, um, you know, we, we we should be in a position to to get forward to score. But and as I'll keep going on about it, we just don't at the moment have that ability. Um, and I think he will he'll be working on it. And he'll the more time he's got to work with them, the better it'll be. It's just a question of um, we. I mean, we've said this every every season recently but you know all these players will go we'll see who else are going to get in they'll go and then to our horror none of the players goes at all except the difference was is they've got in these um uh, they've got the new players in from the continent who at the moment um just aren't achieving it for whatever reason anyway anyway let's mm, carry on um, indeed number five ben brooks hey stanford children jonathan plus revolving guests yes they are like they're like um they've revolved out of here tonight yeah they have they've gone They've gone. They've just asked to. Thanks so much for reading my poem about Frank out on the pod. Made my dad proud. Made me feel all warm inside, even more part of my Chelsea family. Oh, bad. Thanks. Here's a question for you. In my first ever Chelsea game as a little kid in the 90s with my brother, Dan, also a kid, we noticed at the ticket gate upon entering the stadium, someone wearing the famous Chelsea shirt with Chief, Chief Mower written on the back of the shirt. Aha, we still laugh about it to this day. Do you know who this man is? Can we try and track the chief mower down? I hope he's well. Kind regards, Benjamin William Oscar Brooks. P.S. Gave my full name at the end so Jonathan can read it out. All regal and that. Cheers. Benjamin William Oscar Brooks. My lords, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Benjamin William Oscar. I'll say that again. Oscar Brooks, well done, thank oh, you. Yes, yeah, Chief Mower. Obviously, Chief from um, one man went to Mower. He was the Chief he, Mower. Yeah, rather than uh, man who goes on the pitch and gives it a quick um, once over with it, with the blades. Um, so, uh, I do you know who the Chief Mower would be? I don't know. I I, I I I confess, I I don't remember seeing seeing him, which is very remiss of me. I was he probably drunk, really, to be honest, Ben. Should, yeah, there was all his sorts that, but I should have. I'd observed him. I would have said, "You need to be Chief Spot." because we have to go back to the fact that it is actually called spot. I know you and I have come to blows over this, metaphorically, because you say, no, it's not. It's called um, One Man Went to Mo. No, it's spot, because that's what it was originally. One Man Went to Mo. Went uh, to hey, one, hey, man, Ducky. one Man and His hey, Dog. Ducky. Spot I, I, most of the time, yeah. I, I accept not all of the time, but yeah, most yeah. of the time I will yeah. defer to you yeah. as I ought to with for my elders. Instance, in this instance, however, you won't. No, no, I will. I think, oh, you good, know, because you. No, you were there when that was first sung, 
probably Indeed. before I was. So, Indeed, you know, we used to say, let's do it. Let's all do spot. My man went to Mo. Went. Yeah, but I think it's more commonly known now as one man went to Mo. Well, because they don't mention spot. That's oh, I always do. Do you? Yeah. No, it gets one man and his dog spot went to yeah, Mo. Oh, well, I think you're rare because I just hear one man and his dog no, went to Mo. No, no, that's because it's like everybody. They're just lazy. But I always yeah, do. In the yeah. Matthew Harding upper, 10 men went to Mo, oh, went to Mo and Meadow. Ten, ten men, nine men, men, eight men, seven men, six men, five men, four men, three men, two men, one man, and his dog Spot. Went to my Always said Spot. Oh, okay, okay, but it was called Spot. Spot was the dog. Yeah, indeed, indeed. That's right. Then you would add on one every time, really, but then it would be the longest song ever. I used to like it when it got to ten. It would be ten men, nine men, eight men, seven men. And when I'm drunk, as I invariably am at the football, I would get it with like four men, two men. Oh fuck! Then went to my meadow. So anyway, it used to be sausage roll, old Mother Riley and her cow. Do you know? Do you know what? I didn't actually. No, I tell you a song that I really, really miss, which which used to get sung a lot. 20 years ago but it's been fizzling out gradually uh which is of course now um in dublin's fair yeah, city. dublin's fair city where yeah, the girls are so pretty, so pretty i first set, set my eyes on through streets broad and narrow singing chelsea i used to love that i used to love that anyway me too one of one of my favorites one of my favorites absolutely i love absolutely love it i love it um, Chelsea. Anyway, a, does, a, apropos, went everyone just went Chelsea, Chelsea. Chelsea. Uh, that came in. Chelsea. We all went. Oh yeah, that's a pop song. Yeah. Wow. I used to like you're going to get your fucking head kicked in. It's really funny if you watch some of those big matches. You quite often get them on BT Sport. Uh, you get a load of the uh, uh, of those kind of songs. One of my favourite hear them, don't you? About yeah. the 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 aggro ones, you know. If you like a lot of aggro with your biscuit, join our club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I used to. That love. of course was some club biscuit for anybody who doesn't yeah. know what we're talking about. I think about. it's actually if you want a lot of aggro with the Chelsea, join our club. Yeah, Not biscuit, but I like to be, if you like a lot of chocolate on your biscuit. Join yeah, our that's club. right. Biscuit, which I have to say was very tasty. If you'd go down to the shed today. You better come in disguise. If you, you go down to the shed to today, no, no, no. You're sure for a good surprise. Better yes. come in disguise. Jeremy, the sugar puff bear, has has the uh, crop. Uh, hang on, was it? Oh, see, I've, it's so long I haven't sung it. So it's just, it bought some boots and cropped his hair. Today's the day that Jeremy became a skinhead. Something like that. It's very funny. Anyway, we're digressing yeah, down we're a ridiculous, like, bloody, yeah. God knows what's going on here. Uh, Desert Island Discs with JK and Chidge, I think. Anyway, uh, this is from Bobby D. Lovely Bobby D. Robert Delcini. This is a great story. I do love Bobby D. Um, it's about time we saw you, mate. I hope you're all right in Australia. He says, Good day, Cobber, from wonderful Sunny Melbourne. I see what you've done there, mate. Uh, right, after the wonderful but melancholy Saints and Sinners podcast, I thought I would share some joy in the story of how I became a Chelsea fan. Firstly, with Mother's Day around the corner, I would like to thank my mother for taking me and my sister to my first game in 1981. It could not have been easy taking a hyperactive nine-year-old to a game. Anyway, picture this. A skinny, blonde-haired seven-year-old running around the streets kicking a ball in those wonderful days before the world became a car park and kids weren't sedentary. 
One of the boys that lived opposite was three years older than me. He came up to me and asked which team I supported. I didn't have a team and was really confused. I looked up to him and hung on his every word, as every seven-year-old did to a ten-year-old. Well, he continued, you know the team you should support is the one that won the FA Cup when you were born. What year were you born? 1972, I replied enthusiastically. At this point, I became very fortunate, as my neighbour was an Arsenal supporter. And as such, he knew fuck all about football. So instead of confirming Leeds, he told me, you need to support Chelsea then. And there it was. An Arsenal supporter told me to support Chelsea. My granddad was an Arsenal supporter and no one in my house supported the Blues. It was a dumbass Arsenal fan who meant I've had much joy over the last 40 plus years. As a footnote, as soon as I became a Blue, I ran inside really excited and went up to my dad and proudly proclaimed, I'm a Chelsea supporter. He gave me a disgusted look and my old man said, be a Rangers fan, to which I replied, fuck off bollocks you're a so there you have it the truth about how Chelsea found me via a dumb Arsenal fan one final thought we're playing shit but three points ahead of Liverpool and six points behind Man United in second we just beat the leaders of La Liga 1-0 and I've seen my team win the league multiple times and the Champions League could be worse you could support Arsenal take care and up the Chelsea Bobby D good old Bobby fantastic now this one's a bit of a bit of a ripper real fans real opinions I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast total nutters and proper Chelsea footballfancast.com Can I just say, before yes. we start this one, kind regards, Benjamin William Oscar Brooks. Yeah, and on that point, uh, for Mr. A. Williams, I would. I didn't get a chance to say it earlier on, but I'd love to have a drink with him when, when we get back to normal. That would be lovely. We, that's one of the, the things... A, a stand for? I don't know. Andrew, yeah. Alan, who knows? Andy? Yeah. Alex. Alex, yeah. Antonio... Alex. Who knows? I mean, look, one of the things I miss most Arthur. about Arthur. Arthur, yeah. One of the things I miss most about Match Day is meeting people and the cock who listen to the show that we've not met before. So the, the sooner we get back to that, the better. Aloysius. Aloysius. Yeah. Yes. Archibald. Archie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Augustus. Cain and Abel. Augustus. Augustus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aristotle. Yeah. Aristotle, Aristotle was a bugger for the bottle. <laughs> Thank you. All. Anyway, this is from Philip Kenley. NB written before the Man U game. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Guys, thank you for reading out my emails two and three weeks ago. It's a great thrill. Oh, no, great. Love to do it, Philip. Thanks for writing. I'm loving this argument and I'm full of frustration. You all keep missing the point. Ooh. Hope this isn't now getting tedious for the listeners, but I need to come in again, do my best to stop the... Fake news, fake news, which, in my humble opinion, does not do your great show justice. Hmm. Let's be very clear first. I don't want to be misunderstood and be described as someone I'm not. We agree on lots. In particular, Frank was treated badly and may well have been used. 
I felt ill when Frank was sacked. Our transfer dealings have been really poor, leaving us with an unbalanced squad and a disaster of a rather expensive goalkeeper. I, like you, dream of a manager coming and building something that lasts. And if that person is an ex-player that we loved, wow, that would be just amazing. OK, no issues there. However, that does not mean, in my opinion, that people have a right to say stuff that is clearly just not true. So the latest comment that made my blood boil, please do not take this as a personal attack. I love listening to everyone you get on the show. But Alex saying last week, we just have to suck it up as fans, can only be likened to Monty Python's and what have the Romans ever done for us? We are almost literally the luckiest fans on planet Earth. The last 25 years have been almost entirely wonderful. How many times in the last 25 years have we got to march with absolutely nothing to play for? The amount of finals, semi-finals, titles that we've been in contention for is possibly only matched by Man U and clubs that compete in leagues where they're totally and boringly dominant. It has been unimaginably brilliant. Saying that we have to suck it up as fans is ungratefulness of the highest magnitude. Then there's the money thing. So, Mr. Glover, I'm going to have to have a pop again. When you say it's all about the money, I just don't think that's true about Chelsea. The truth with Chelsea is that it's all about the success. Roman has never taken any money out of Chelsea. We're a cash-eating monster that will always lose money as we're not as commercially successful as Man U, Liverpool, Arsenal, and even, I'm afraid to say, Spurs. The one thing you can absolutely never accuse Roman of is being in it for the money. By all means, accuse him of being a ruthless son of a bitch who treats managers badly. That might be fair, though I would argue that their compensation makes up for this. Building on this point, I want to challenge the arsenalification of Chelsea. Surely the arsenalification of Chelsea would look like us keeping Lampard for five years, making minimal transfer market investments as we finish between fourth and eighth year in and year out. That's what happened to Arsenal. Do you know how much Arsenal fans would love to have had Chelsea's trajectory for the last 15 years? Do you know how bored and fed up Arsenal fans are? Roman's latest ruthless move is 100% entirely made to try and ensure we are not arsenalified. Finally, do you hear your man you mate on Friday? Did you hear your man you mate on Friday? That was Aaron. The Glazers, that could happen to us if Roman gets fed up and sells up. Having had enough of Chelsea fans that accuse him of being just in it for the money. Should that happen, please don't look back, revise history and say how much you always loved the way Roman ran Chelsea when he was in charge. Actually, another finally. Two weeks ago, you almost accused me of being a spectator as opposed to a fan. Can I swear at you for that? That hurt. For 47 years now, my moods have been inextricably linked to our results. I write from a place that remembers 10,000 crowds and a time when Mickey Droy and Tommy Langley were the best we had. Apology accepted. Thank you. And I can't wait to hear you discuss this after discussing our wonderful 2-0 win over Man U. Oh, I mucked that up. 2-0 win over Manu. Yes, um, Philip, of course we didn't. We um, we drew 0-0 and it was a bit tedious. But um, um, good points. I'd, I, 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 how did we accuse um, Philip of being a, a spectator? Did we, we didn't. We didn't. I don't remember that at all. Well, no. I mean, look, you know, we're here to give our opinions, as you are too, and you are you are most welcome to do that, as you well no, and I mean the, what what I don't understand about the last kind of, you know, uh, kind of three elements of correspondence is that actually we are broadly and have always been broadly in agreement with you. I mean, I think just to pick up on the well, pick up on the last point about Aaron talking about Man United, um, 
the other day. I, I, as you will remember, I'm sure, JK, the first thing I said is, if anybody out there wants to have a dig at Roman, we should remember this. Absolutely, remember the Glazers. Absolutely. Do you remember me saying yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely right. That we've yeah. been enormously yeah. lucky to have. Well, I suppose, as you said, he's entitled to uh, to have his view of what he thinks um, we should be talking about. But we're all we all have different views. Especially Tony's got a different view um, about Frank. He's got a different view about what he considers boring football from me. And he and I both have the odd moment of disagreement, particularly over Sarri. Um, and that was a big big area of uh, of, of difference. Um, so, uh, and in fact, it's that having the different opinions is what makes the the show very fresh and entertaining. Actually, I think I don't. I don't think Philip's got an issue at all with the show. I mean, I know Philip likes the show, and I like Philip. You know, and I love. I love. I mean, that's the point. Actually, Philip's email is the point. The point is, is that we all have an opinion on on football, but, but that's what they are. They're opinions. Opinions are not facts. So. Philip, keep writing them in because I love hearing your opinions. I don't, I don't like it when you. I mean, and I know, I know that your your the way that you write is, it there's a lovely light touch to it. You're not being rude about anybody, and I do get that. Maybe I'm being a bit defensive, but I love my friends, and I and I will always back them up. But uh, you know, we're just talking opinions. We're not we're not a news channel. It's opinions as much as your great emails to us are opinions. So. Keep them coming, Philip. And uh, um, I, for one, am certainly incredibly grateful uh, to Roman. And I, I'm proud to say I got the opportunity to say that to him once when I met him. So, you know, there we go. Philip, brilliant. Oh, is it my turn again? Um, I think you've marked it as being your turn. I know, I was about to have a breath. Right, this is from Jeff Jones. Chidge. Jonathan and distinguished guests, I'm writing this after listening to half of the Friday review preview show. I paused it as you all started to talk about whether or not Jorginho should start against United on Sunday. He shouldn't. I'm not sure why he's getting praise for his performance against Atleti, uh, seeing as how he overhit multiple passes that couldn't have led to a goal-scoring chance. He's a decent player and can slow the game down and keep possession, but he doesn't seem to be able to execute the final pass. I'd much rather have Kante and Kova as the double six because they can tackle and carry the ball forward. I'll be interested to see if Tuchel's team selection tomorrow, uh, it's a huge match. This is written clearly before the United match, I think. It's a huge match and I think we can all get three points. I'm thinking 2-1 to us. Jorginho will probably get an assist or score a pen, so I'll be eating my words come Monday. <laughs> yes. Sadly, that didn't happen, Jeff. Incessant thanks to you and Jonathan and all the fancast crew for keeping our spirits up during these strange times. Keep the blue flag flying high. Jeff J, Atlanta, Georgia. Sweet. Very. He didn't, he didn't play him, unfortunately. Oh, Jorginho. So, uh, what a shame. What a shame. What a shame. But um, great to hear from you, Jeff. And I'd love to come to Atlanta, Georgia sometime. Uh, uh, a, a, a city I've admired from from pictures and afar, but anyway, um, good stuff. Uh, we could meet and talk things, Chelsea. Right, James Giffin. Good day to you all from sunny Perth, Western Australia. Thought I'd send this before the match. I'm sure there will be enough supporters emailing in about the game versus United. So I'm going to write about something I've not heard you speak about yet. Ooh, maybe it's for a reason. But bear with me. I've feared for some time that football, after trillions upon trillions spent on sponsorship, wages and transfers, etc., is bringing the game to a shuddering halt in terms of excitement, 
top six clashes have becoming have become a proving ground for worried and scared coaches and players in most games over the last few years. Negative football doesn't excite me, you at the fan cast or anyone else, I'm sure. Since 200 stroke 300 BC, when the Chinese invented Kodo through the Greek name of es, es, Episkairos, sorry, yes, Episkairos, the Native American game of, oh, you, you, James, oh, you, of Aksatuk. Aksatuk, yes, starting again. Since 200, 300 BC, when the Chinese invented Kodo through the Greek game of Episkairos, the Native American game of Aksatuk, until we invented the lovely game called mob football where inflated pigs bladders were used to score a goal the posts being the main doors of a church or chapel in the village you were from i believe they had one rule no stabbing <laughs> now i can't imagine fifa rejuvenating this game somehow what must happen is a way of guaranteeing more entertainment for 90 minutes i call for change a change in the point system a change in the number of players and one last change for the offside rule their laws actually james laws the offside law item one back in i say that as a referee item one back in 1981 thanks to jimmy hill good old jimmy hill uh, the three points for a win was set up and um, jimmy hill became synonymous with them um, telling a lie didn't he somebody would because he had such a big chin with his beard somebody would say oh jimmy hill oh if they thought you were lying do you remember that Jim? i do i do yeah 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 oh and it was done like that oh jimmy oh Anyway, back in 1981, thanks to Jimmy Hill, the three points for a win was set up. This was to get away teams or lesser teams to go gung-ho every week rather than sitting back and playing for a point. I was born in 1989, so I, of course, don't remember the change. My dad was, however, was, however, and he never really noticed from game to game. I propose an idea of four points for a win, two for a draw, naught for a loss. However, if you score two goals or more, then you get a bonus point. It sounds very American or very rugby-ish, but I think it would stop this bullshit tactic of lesser sides going away from home and doing nothing remotely attacking, i.e. when Wolves came to the bridge a few weeks ago. Very good point. That's a, this is very good because what will happen, of course, I think it will be telly mm. that, that, that decides to make a, a decision about um, uh, and, and people not watching the games if it becomes boring. Because it is on the verge of becoming boring. I absolutely agree. Because of, of people tactically being able to, to suppress sides from, from scoring, it just becomes the joy becomes in the counter attack or in somebody like Bayern Munich unpicking sides. But yes, very good point. And, and rugby, of course, uh, changed it by, by, by turning three points for a try into four, um, which was cleverly done. But anyway, I was going to suggest you got two goals if you scored once, but that wouldn't work ever. That's just ridiculous. Don't know why I said it. Anyway, item two. This is to be introduced at the same time as a reduced team size on the field. I drop it down to 10 versus 10 or maybe even nine versus nine. The pitch is too small at the old grounds in England, especially Stamford Bridge, where it's so compact, there's nowhere for our fast players to gallop. With more space on the pitch, your flair players have more room to express themselves. And when crossing into the box, there'll be less players getting in the way. And of course, a few years ago, the other thing they thought they might do is make the goals bigger. Do you remember that, Chidge? As a I do, I do. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, item three. 
Last one is the offside rule. It's it's actually a law, James. I'm sorry. Last one is the offside <laughs> law. This one is more simple and less radical. If VAR is to stay, fine, but I make one small adjustment. When they break the lines out at Stockley Park, I'd like the measurement to be taken from the toe of the front foot to the heel of your back foot, both for the attacker and defender. If they overlap, onside. Yes, you still get the precise one millimetre fingernail hairline decisions, but it's a bigger range to be onside. So I presume that means more goals. I actually, I think actually that aren't they having a meeting now to discuss everything again? Um, the lawmakers, isn't that right, Chidge? I think they are. I think they're having a another refs meeting to work out. Um, not refs meeting. I mean a law making meeting to work out what whether offside should change, whether VAR with offside should change, handball should change again. Um, yes. I'll tell I, you what, though. I, I, yeah. I really, you know. I, I caught a bit of the rugby on uh, on Saturday because I happened to be up up here doing a bit of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I just thought that is a game that has been ruined by too many laws and then changing. I mean, I I, I used to be able to understand rugby, and I oh, looked, indeed, indeed. And, and, got, and they change yeah. the laws every year. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and you and they're so complicated, and then you get yeah. some pusillanimous little prick of a French referee who ruins it. And I'm just thinking, and I, I did actually think that God football is not like that. That, and we moan about things like VAR, and quite rightly so. But and and I know that there's a bit of confusion about some of the laws. But my God, it's not as bad as rugby. I've actually got some mates who won't watch rugby anymore because they say, "Why do I need to watch a game I don't understand?" Yeah, well, anymore? yeah. Um, but can I just say the one thing I do like, which is they apparently in. Some leagues they've mic'd the referees up in football, uh, and um, mm. uh, and I can't remember where it was, but I, there was a, a little uh, item on Twitter about this, and it works really well, because uh, um, uh, it, it also leads to um, the the assistant referee, the linesman, being involved in the same way they are in rugby, and they debate with the referee whether they saw something as being a foul or not, and the referee can then refer it to VAR. So you've actually they're, they're using the linesman much more, as they do in rugby union, because in rugby union they're 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 respected for being refs. Whereas, as we've established in uh, in football, they're uh, considered they defer to the referee who's considered their superior, which is absolutely wrong. But is the way that um, ref football refereeing is run over here in this country, and I, I'm not convinced that uh, they'd able be able to have enough intelligent conversations with the linesman. To actually make it work over here, they've just really got to start getting rid of some of these 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 older um, um, what would you call them statesmen? That's the wrong word, but just the older ones who are just not up with play and just give very strange decisions. And like poor old um, what was the guy at the weekend who, who blew the wrist whistle twice? Lee Mason. Yeah, I felt for him actually because he clearly cocked up enormously. You know, I mean, ridiculous. You just given the goal, it was a goal. Very well done his whistle but he's and apparently because he saw the referee what well, he saw the referee saw the goalkeeper wasn't ready well yeah that's the idea of taking it quickly you know so uh poor chap but anyway no i i'm, I'm i agree with you it, it has become very complicated but they, the whole essence of actually communicating with the with all the officials is absolutely the way football should go and and whether it is via miking the referees up and having able to hear all their words then you hear the players words i think it would impose a um, a structure on the game that we're, we're really missing at the moment. Anyway, although I'm emailing from Australia, I'm in fact from a town just around the corner from Plymouth. 
So I appreciate the old school part of the game, but that's long gone. It's hard to admit, but the fun side of football has gone. Your mavericks have dried up and your cheeky chappy rebels, Stanley Bowles, are a thing of the past. You're now Jesse Lingard having one billion followers because he wears fedora with a pair of ripped jeans and a pair of Deirdre Barlow spectacles. What a character. I didn't know that. She's got a billion followers. Bloody hell. On a serious note, though, I fear that when my young son, son, young son, my young son, John, named after the captain leader legend, gets older, the game possibly won't be as entertaining as I felt it was when I was young, unless I come to power and smash my gavel down and implement the rules I've written here. Laws, surely. Laws. The laws I've written here. Just one quick one question. Can JK please tell us what it's like to kick an inflated pig's bladder around the local village back in the 1300s? Well, actually, I was quite good at keeping up with the pig's bladder. Um, but uh, you have to be what they don't. What they do as well are, the, are nasty. They will put a stone in the pig's bladder when you when you kick and see it lying on the ground. You kick it. You just do yourself a mischief. Um, I'm sure your memory is amazing as it is. Remember the greats from that period? Yes, there was. Um, there was who was there? Uh, um, uh, uh, Alexander the Great. He was terrific footballer. Good, very good with the pig's bladder, and um, he was the he was the pato of his day, really, wasn't he? Oh, unbelievable, unbelievable! He he was great. He was um, long blonde, flowing hair, and uh, Helen of uh, Torres. Those those tunics they wore, blimey, Oof, uh, great! Um, and um, Socrates uh, was a great footballer. He, he was uh, Aristotle as well, yes, but he was yeah, good old Socrates. Um, Played for Brazil, didn't he? Yeah, the trouble was he he, he insisted on playing in a toga and it just got in the way all the time. That reminds me of that Monty Python sketch, Philosophy Football. Do you remember that? Yes. That's one of the funniest sketches ever made. Regged it from. There was some amusing stuff. Karl Marx was always offside. Yes, yes, yes. And having fights with the ref. Oh, dear. Yes, he was always debating the laws, wasn't he, with the ref? Yeah. Blimey. Anyway, one more thing. When you mentioned ACDC, I felt I must share this boring stroke. Interesting piece of pub ammo with you, Chidge. I lived on Canning Highway in Perth for some time. It's a dreary dual carriageway on the way to Fremantle. It's also what inspired the song Highway to Hell. It was an infamous pub crawl from Raffles Bar all the way down to Fremantle. You don't have to read this bit if the email's getting too long. Okay, right to the end. Bye. No, no. I look forward. We've read it. We've read it. We read it, James. Look forward to the nice pay packet you sent me last time I sent an email to the fan cast. Did you pay him, Chidge? Did you pay no, him? No, I didn't. I don't know what he's talking about. Oh, you did. I did you not. did. I did not. Oh, Chidge, pay me, baby. Anyway, keep up the good work and up the chels. James Giffin. Well done, James. Uh, on a personal Sweet. note, James. A brilliant email. Uh, some really interesting it. points, wasn't there, actually? Funny, funny as well. Good yeah. stuff. But on a, on a personal note, I just want to say, I'm on a highway to hell. And I'm going down. No, I'm not doing any more of it. I don't know any much of that song. Oh, Bon Scott, man. But he's right. Yeah, I I did know about the Canning Highway because I've read loads and loads of books on ACDC. So I love ACDC. What a cracking, a ripper of an email there, James. And obviously he's also would be acquainted with the Fremantle Doctor. Yes, he would, wouldn't he? Which we all know about. The wind, wind, we know about it. When England play at the Wacker. Indeed, it's influence on the cricket. That's That's right. The Fremantle doctor. So there you go. James, I hope it's lovely where you are. I'm sure it is. Uh, Right now, last... I'm not saying saying we've left the best till last. But this is an absolutely brilliant, bonkers, cracking email from the wonderful Donald Foley, who is known as the uh, Blue Bayou and uh, is one of Tony's 
uh, original podding shedders, JK. Is he? Mm. Blimey. And this is what he... I've got to really up my game here because I've got to do this the justice it deserves. And he writes, Dear Archbishop Chidge, As the strains of Evensong die away, no, I didn't know blue is the colour was a staple of the hymnal either, and the congregation departs into the dark lanes, muttering about the lack of goals, and old Tony the gardener heads back to his podding shed, bemoaning a lack of excitement in our liturgy. I feel I must write to you to express my concerns that too many of our souls are adrift in the slough of despond. Yes, we are left behind the city of destruction, and sadly the evangelist is no longer with us, but too many are attracted by the false comfort of Vanity Fair, whereas their eyes should be on the celestial city. For yea, like Christian and Pilgrim's Progress, we are on a journey. Some will fall by the wayside, but we must instil within our brothers and sisters a hope, an expectation, yes, a determination that we will not be lured away by excitement, incident, chance creation, high conversion of XG, end-to-end, goal fests, and other su- such temptations of Beelzebub. Brother Tuchel is here to lead us, to deliver us from the promises of false gods. It is Lent, a period of fasting and abstinence, We are building strength of spirit for swearing our piteous and lily-livered devotion to such insubstantial g-jaws as trophies, as short-term success. We must don with joy in our hearts the sackcloth that Brother Tuchel has given to us for our clothing. We must embrace embrace an ascetic, arid form of devotion, for it is only through this that we will reach true redemption." The sphere within where the twits abide is a dark place, awash with despair, with discontent, with endless speculation on how many more souls we need to make a conquering army. Little do they understand how it is only by ab- ab- little do they understand how it is only by abnegation of such falsities that Brother Tuchel will lead us to eternal peace and joy. Before I fold away my cassock and prepare a small but nourishing collation. I must remark upon the sad passing of Johnny Briggs, announced so aptly on the day we played a team from Manchester. For, as Mike Baldwin, he strove for many years to depict all that was good about Gentlemen from London and its environs, set about by scriptwriters who wished only to portray him as a villain in contrast to the Mancunian hero, their beloved Ken Barlow, men of discernment like ourselves could see through such wafer-thin and blatant concoctions. And in one of those strange coincidences that enrich the soul, someone posted a clip on Twitter from the film HMS Defiant in which Briggs's character is sentenced to do- to two dozen lashes by Alec Guinness. As he is brought out, someone shouts, Ship's company, ready to witness punishment, sir! One can't help but feel that is how many now approach watching our beloved CFC. <laughs> As the lashes are applied to the hapless Briggs, one young cabin boy says to his, to his associate, who is looking to faint at any moment, only three more, look at your feet. Sound advice to all of us. As Werner bears down on goal yet again, the lashes complete, someone addresses Alec Guinness. Punishment complete, sir? Cut him down, is the order. And I visualise Mr Glover and countless other fans released for a few more days to tend their smarting wounds. But we must be strong. 
This is a period of transition. It will indeed be painful, but suffering enriches the soul. Yours in the Lord, the Reverend Bayou. I should have um, read it in my uh, my vicar's voice. Well, it's too late. I've read it now and I did the best I could. No, I'm not criticising you. It just occurred to me. I thought oh, I could have done my... Uh, my. Uh... I think that was a wonderful... I mean, Donal is bonkers. If you've ever talked to Donal, he's, he's lovely. One of... Just one of my favourite people at Chelsea. Very, very funny. Very, very intelligent guy. And that was a highly, highly entertaining email to round off in off the post jk can i just say that um that nice coincidence of course was that my dad played uh mike baldwin's father frank he was frankie baldwin in coronation street and um uh and he said johnny bricks was a very nice guy as well as a nice as well as a good actor but this was this was uh 39 years ago no 40 years ago yeah my dad played his father. I didn't realise that he was as old as he clearly was. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, But there yeah. you go. But uh, I think the uh, religious symbolism within supporting your football club is very apt, actually. And uh, we should just learn to look at our feet while the horror is amongst us. The horror. Yeah. I've got a lovely pick I'm going to put up with the show tonight of uh, Giroud with his shirt over his head. Like uh, Donal suggesting, in a sense, looking at his feet, but rather protecting his and shielding his eyes from the horror that was all around him. But there you go. But he just missed the open goal. Was it that one? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember. No, he was was writhing around in pain, wasn't he? Because he'd like collided with the post. Collided with the post. Yeah, yeah. Somebody said he missed the goal, but hit the post. Which I thought was quite, that was not bad for commentary. Yes. It wasn't bad. Anyway, JK, that's it, my friend, for this week. There were a few, basically, just I should say, really, there were a few submissions that came in um, on on uh, Discord today and, and Patreon. Uh, do you know what? Bollocks. I'm going to read one more out on Patreon. Sorry, JK, you, you can't see this because uh, I can only get to it by, by my phone. Uh, but it's lovely, so I'm going to read it. It's from Charlie Huskinson. And I, what I was going to say is that we got a few. Uh, I've got our questions for the show thing on the Discord group. But if you don't, if you send them on a Monday, it's too late because I I put the script to bed on a Sunday night. I have shit to do on a Monday, so I I don't have time to do it. So if you want it read out, you need to stick them in by Sunday. And I mean not like eleven o'clock p.m. on a Sunday. I mean you know afternoon latest really. But the other thing is on Discord, I do believe, I do believe that there is a facility for you to record a voice message. So I wonder if 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 you could record a voice message and I can somehow save it and then we can play it in the show. Would that be fun, JK? Love it. Save our bloody larynxes, wouldn't it? I would love it. Yeah. So maybe do that. Uh, that's a thing for Discord people only. You can leave us a phone message on the Discord app and we can play it out on the show. How about that? But either way... Don't do it on a Monday. Monday is too late, man. Too late. Anyway, this did come in from Charlie Huskinson on Patreon. Uh, and as I said, if you want to join us on Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash Chelsea. Uh, I think it's Chelsea hyphen fancast, but Chelsea, fa- no, Chelsea fancast. Uh, all donations pleasantly received. You get a Kerry Dixon banner and you also get to be on our Discord group. Right. 
Charlie says, hi, Chidge. I hope you and the guys have a great show tonight. You guys don't realise the joy you bring talking about the Chelsea, especially at the moment when we're unable to get to the games. I'm obviously gutted with the draw against United, as I personally think they were there for the taking. In my opinion, Werner had to start ahead of Zayec after his performances in recent weeks, and so would have pace up top, with Giroud obviously lacking in that department. I'd love to know yours and other fancasters' opinions on Ziyech. He clearly has quality... But he seems to have no pace, no desire to trap back, gets caught in possession a lot, plays wayward passes without getting his head up, and always seems to be on the floor. To me, he looks like an average player who looked great in an average league. Uh, after the other night, I'm very excited to hear about the possibility of memorabilia, as I'm a massive collector. And with you mentioning the name Bill, I'm guessing it's the Football Prizes Company. Keep the blue flag flying high, Charlie Huskinson. Uh, Charlie, first up, yes, you guessed correctly. We're we're getting uh, we're doing a, a partnership with Football Prizes, uh, and uh, as soon as the deal is done, I will be letting you all know. But basically, it will entail uh, you being able to buy tickets for about a fiver, I think, and then you get to take part in a li- in a live draw for Chelsea related memorabilia, and they hold it on Facebook. But there'll be more about that later. Uh, but J.K., I have to say, I, I completely agree with his comments about Ziesh. Yes. It's a bit worrying, isn't it, that, um, as we've uh, been talking about on uh, on the fan cast, it's, uh, I really hope that um, he isn't somebody who was just uh, stood out uh, a big fish in a small pond. But um, when he started, he had, a, as we talked about before, he had a wand, didn't he, a wand-like foot. But at the moment, um, he's looking um, not really up, up to it. I mean, it's worth remembering, isn't it? You know, and I think we—I we, well, think this is kind of the the the, the roboticization, if that is a word, of of society as a whole. And I've got a great mate who's doing a a PhD on this subject about how uh, how technology and our reliance on it is all making us, you know, we're affected by it. You know, it's making us more robotic. It's making us think in a different way because it's created by people who think in a certain way and we're and when we use it a lot we it takes us down that path and i think i think we're losing humanity and i think in our judgment on football we're also losing humanity because there are no guarantees in football you know you buy a player for a lot of money and you think yeah they should be brilliant but not necessarily because there are so many variables and complexities within the character of that person let alone everything else that's going on environmentally and there ain't no guarantees mate i was going to think whether ajax played in a more honest way or a more human way but on reflection they appeared to play a very technical side of uh, type of football a very tactical t- mm. type of football so i'm surprised that uh, he may have embraced a kind of uh, um he may have been dulled by embracing a robotic style Zayat, because he seemed to be in a in in a in a setup where he, he was allowed yeah, to express himself. You, you, look, I mean, what we're really talking about. I mean, you know, you know this. I know this from working in production teams. You know this from working in the theatre and stuff. I've worked in the theatre too. You know, you put a bunch of disparate people together, and sometimes they gel. Yeah, and 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 the, and the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, and sometimes yeah, yeah. they don't. And there's no right. It's about chemistry. There's no right. I mean, who who would know? Who would have known? I mean, it's an interesting. We're a case in point. You know, if you look back at the first few shows we did, completely did. None, there's nobody on this show now apart from me 
who was on the first hundred shows. You know, we've had different people all the time, but, you know, inshallah, we've been very lucky. Everybody that I've got on the show, we all gel, really. I mean, really, I don't think, I can't think of a case where we just haven't gelled. We all get on. Bizarre, isn't it? That's a very good point, isn't it? Yeah, how it all works, yeah. Maybe we should be running football teams, mate. Yeah, perhaps maybe, we should. Maybe set, not. Should we set up a Chelsea FC? AFC but, Chelsea. Yeah, we let's spell it differently. Yeah, Play on the Yearbook Common. Chelsea FS. That would confuse people, wouldn't it? Yeah, 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 that would. Yeah, with Chelsea Football. CFC UK. Chelsea Football Shed. Yeah, yeah. AFC Chelsea, mate. Yearbook yeah, Common. Get your yeah, boots. You'll all get. You'll yeah. all get a game. It really gets a game. You yeah, just to put down, uh, put down jumpers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Happy days. Yeah. For the play for three hours. Yeah. And if two hundred and fifty-two to last goal wins it. Exactly. <laughs> Those were the fucking days, weren't they? <laughs> Coming home absolutely covered and head to toe. From I used to love getting really muddy. I've clearly got some kind of weird sexual deviance for being really muddy. That you wouldn't have realised as an eight-year-old boy, obviously. Only now as a psychotherapist do I understand the significance yeah, of these yeah, things. Yeah. But yeah, I used to love getting muddy. My mum used to tear her hair out. And or you come home when it was dark. You know, that uh, was the thing. I used to enjoy... I used to wear gloves when I played football. Did you? I wonder what that was all about. You were clearly a continental player. Yeah, no, I think what it was... Or was Patrick the, Bamford. When we played on the... Um, <laughs> We played on the, the, the playground at school. It was concrete and I kept falling over and gashing my hands. I think that's the reason. Anyway, I'm going to leave us with some, a, really, a really rude comment from Benji Toe. Uh, he says, you need to upgrade your squad, Chidge. What are you talking about, Benji? What do you mean? Get new people in. That's what he wants. No, well, no we, we do. No, but we do. We do. Um, that's I mean, what he's saying. Well, I think he's wrong. I think he's wrong on both counts. One, we don't need to. And B, I, I already am. But... Um, we, uh, I mean, I think we've got the biggest cast of people that we've ever had now. I mean, we've got about 12, 12 regulars plus the journos. So there we go. Sam and, Sam and Adam are new. What are you talking about, Benji? Sam and Adam are new. Big money signings. Let's keep the blue flag flying high, says. Uh, the next, the next, the next, we've got, a, we've got an academy talent. Did I ever told you about the academy talent, JK? Oh, he's coming in. Well, we got Louis Tomset, who 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 writes for the fan cast. Dean Dean scouted him, right? And he's you quite to Sally Tomset. I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll get her instead. I'd quite like that. She's an actress. Yeah, yes, good. she's probably a bit old now. She was in the Railway Children. She was, wasn't she? I remember her. Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah, bloody hell! And so was um, Jenny Agatha. And Jenny Agatha. Yeah. Bernard Cribbins. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so we completely... He does this to me all the time. He's completely knocked me sideways. But, uh, yeah, Louis Thompson, he's very young. He loves Jorginho, so he'll be controversial. But he writes very well for the fan cast, and I promised him a, a, a go at some stage. Dane, yeah. Dane's quite a newcomer. Yeah. yeah. So's Dean. So's Dean. Dean's, now, Dean's almost old old school now, isn't he? He's been yeah, but still, in terms of... Yeah, but it's still... It's not as if you know you've got you've got to bed people down, you know. You've got to, I mean Mark Meehan, you know. You've got, yeah, you've got to give them an opportunity because they're not used to the Mark Meehan's like signing Mark Hughes yeah, for exactly. Chelsea. Yeah. Don't you Very think? Much. Yeah. Mark's yeah, been there, done it, won loads of trophies, absolutely come, legend of a player. He's come straight in and done it, unlike yeah. some of the younger younger guys with allowing a few weeks for them to bed down. Yeah, didn't need it at all. Scored sp- no. spanking volley, 
show one boom off and running yeah yeah so there you go so i'm not having it benji i love you to pieces but you're wrong son anyway we better go jk no no we better go uh it's been lovely to a bit of overtime with you really enjoyed it actually very good fun good fun doing good emails as well uh lovely of you to send them in people hope we've done them justice as you know get them in on a sunday preferably in the afternoon not the evening they come on a monday they don't get in the show because i would have done the script by then and if you do send them in uh send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com on that uh mic drop moment it's time for me and jk to say good night and have a good week we will see you on friday for the preview show at seven o'clock live on mixler jk have fun mate i'll see you then right on you Das Leben kann hektisch sein. Warum nicht dem Alltag entfliehen und in die magische Welt von Evermerge eintauchen? Evermerge ist ein magisches Land, das mit jeder Entdeckung größer und besser wird. Werde ein Merge-Master. Baue und sammle einzigartige Gegenstände oder verschönere deine eigene wundersame Welt. Im Land von Evermerge gibt es immer etwas zu tun. Evermerge. Jetzt kostenlos im App Store herunterladen.